Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. This is episode three, but of course you already know it's episode three because you've just downloaded episode three and it says so on iTunes. But thank you anyway, and thank you even more if you've listened to episodes one, two, and particularly if you subscribe to the Rugby Dungeon. Give us your feedback, leave us a review, get in contact with us on Twitter, which is at the Rugby Dungeon, or follow me at Jay Beardmore, or our Facebook page, which again is at the Rugby Dungeon. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to get some cameras down here installed. They are literally in the post now, on the way from the States, and that means that you can watch us do any interviews in studio live, or you can watch Egg Chasers live, and we'll send out the links to that and all the further information when the time comes. So, I've interviewed Hayden Smith today, and it was a very, very interesting interview. He has played rugby at Saracens, just coming to his end of, the end of his career there. He has played in the NFL for the New York Jets, and he's also played college basketball. So there are not many people with this level of insight into professional sport. Completely brilliant guy, uh, a great interview, a great guest. That will come shortly, but in the meantime, I'm going to read you some adverts, like usual... If you don't like adverts, please feel free to skip over. If you do like adverts and like supporting the podcast and what we do down here and help grow this little project, which we're enjoying so much, and hopefully you are too, um, well, here's Cornerstone. Cornerstone are the leading brand of subscription razors in the UK. They provide precision-engineered German razors direct to your door for as little as £4 a month. You also get a very finely crafted aluminium shaft with any initials you want. I strongly recommend you get the initials JB, but ultimately, it's your choice. Uh, just go on to uh, www.cornerstone forward slash rugby to get, to, uh, to get your immediate discount or use the code rugby at checkouts. I'm constantly amazed with these guys. Not only how many people sign up through it via Egg Chasers, but how many people stay with it and how many people tweet us to tell us what a good product it is. I use it, Phil uses it, Tim uses it. Um, go to them now. Go get your order. And just leave, lead a life where you don't need to go to the shop to buy razors because they come straight to your door. That is liberation for you. Now, our second sponsor you've never heard of before, but you're going to hear a lot about them in the future. It's Pearson Solicitors and Financial Advisors. If you've got any queries on wills, powers of attorney, trusts, financial planning, pensions, investments, you need to get in touch with Pearson Solicitors as soon as possible. Look at their website, pearsonlegal.co.uk. And if you've got a query, just give them a call. They're really nice people. They will always take an inquiry. 
tell them that you heard it through the podcast. And just to give you an example why you'd use someone like a solicitor for something like a will, if you don't have a will and you die, the government will literally round up all of your property and burn it in front of your family. So it's really important that you get everything sorted in a professional, responsible manner. Call them up, look at the website, say you found it, found it through the podcast, and that would be fantastic. This is my interview with Hayden Smith. I won't keep you listening to any more adverts any longer. Please enjoy it. So without any further waiting, here he is, the man, Hayden Smith. How are you, Hayden? Yeah, yeah, doing pretty well. Not too bad, thanks. How's the off how's the off season treating you? Yeah, all of about four days so far has been pretty nice. Uh nice and relaxing. I had the chance to get a few few beers down with the guys. Uh after what was a pretty amazing end to the season, wasn't it, Josh? Um, yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. So we, we've had a had a pretty good time for a few days, and then uh, yeah, also just been relaxing a little bit, which has been nice. Yeah, I was going to actually ask about that. You guys have been playing right up until last week. What have you done this week? I kind of assume with all pro teams, they just finish the season and they go their separate ways, but obviously not. No, not not necessarily. Uh, you know, the day after. Uh, the Prem final, obviously, we, we had a little bit of a family do uh, Saturday night, but it's kind of uh, the norm, I suppose, almost tradition, where the, the day after whatever the last game is, all the boys get together, um, you know, and, and, and this year kind of really just celebrate how everything had gone for us. So, um, yeah, we had a pretty good time uh, jumping around uh, a, a few bars the day after. And, um, you know, you got to celebrate those moments, I suppose, because they don't, they don't really happen too often. Well, uh, and, that- and then... Unless you're at Saracens, in which case it seems to be happening all the time now. Yeah, you can't can't take it for granted. No, uh, that's for sure. You know, there's a lot, a lot of effort that goes into it, and you know, a lot of good luck as well. You know, you certainly can't just uh, expect these things to happen. So, you know, to get the double, mate, it's pretty pretty amazing. And obviously, the stars have to align in a certain way with injuries and uh, you know holding it together throughout some of the the more difficult parts of the season to even get the opportunity. And then you know, then you got to perform on the day too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. It, you know, this season to me just felt like the, the accumulation of five years hot, um, hard work at Saracens. I think the project there is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, look, I, I think th- there's been a lot of things done right uh, in the last five years, and um, you know, there's, there's certainly great, great momentum. And you know, from my perspective, at least, uh, you know, I was at Saracens for four years and then went away for a couple and then came back and. I think coming back, one of the the main things is just the strength of depth in the squad. I mean, you've got young kids who who have come through, or were young kids when when I left, who have now come through and are, you know, really uh, world class players, almost likes of you know Marrow and Owen and all those guys who who were around but hadn't really uh, blossomed into what they are now. So, just across the board, the the squad's got got so much stronger. You know, there's so much talent. Mm. in that squad and in a year like we've had this year uh been a world cup year and and been pretty much straight rugby no lv cup i think to be able to rely on having such a deep squad makes such a difference um you know it was tough for us through the six nations we you know we're missing six seven yeah. guys and um to be able to do enough to get through and and get a few wins you know we had a couple of losses there in that period but majority of of wins to keep things on track uh, and still end up with a, a home semi-final. You, you can't do that without having you know a lot of depth uh, across the squad really to hold it together. Absolutely. Um, so, what does the off-season have in store for you now? So, I'm actually that was my is my last year in professional rugby. I'm um, leaving the game. I've got uh, a great opportunity 
uh, in the city. So okay. I'll be heading off to work uh, in the city. And then I'll also be playing uh, part-time with, with Isha uh, as well, which I'm looking forward to. I think it'll be a nice kind of halfway house. Uh, you know, it'll be a reason to keep fit uh, mm. and also stay around the game. And socially, you know, it'll be quite nice as well to um, to still have that in my life rather than going from, you know, what's been 14 years of sport uh, pretty much full time for me to go to nothing. I think it'll be a bit of a shock to the system. So it's a nice, nice little way to taper off and you know, and still stay around the game. What are you planning to do uh, in real life, for want of a better word? Um, so I'll be going into to insurance. Okay. Uh, essentially. So um, yeah. So I had been doing uh, one day a week with JLT. Uh, is that Jordan Lo- couple of years. Jordan Lo- Lloyd Thompson? Is that? That's it? right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, who are actually the the main sponsor of. Um, of Isha as well. Oh, fancy that! So, uh, yeah, connect the dots. But <laughs> I, I um, yeah, so I, I'd kind of been uh, doing one day a week with them for the last two years of my career, which I felt was important. Yeah, uh, coming absolutely. back from the NFL, when I did, I kind of had one eye on on making sure that I had something to go into uh, when eventually it was time to hang up the boots. And um, so I've been doing the one day a week there, and I, I've actually taken a role with. Um, a company called uh, NSTAR, who, who one of the directors of Saracens is involved with. And oh, brilliant. I'll be spending, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be working with them uh, going forward in, um, yeah, which is essentially, it's a North American uh, insurance company. Yeah. Um, but they do worldwide stuff. So it'll keep me, certainly keep me on my toes and a lot to learn, but uh, it's a fantastic opportunity. What made you pick, what made you pick insurance as a future career then? Um, you know, I, I think it's something... Uh, we're just kind of uh, the, the people who I'd come across uh, in my career were there was a lot of people involved in insurance so mm. um, I think if you're able to leverage anything that you get out of rugby really it's the people you get to meet and, and have con- conversations with whether it be sponsors or directors people involved with the clubs or just fans so yeah. uh, a lot of the people I'd actually met were, were involved in insurance and was able to kind of get into a situation where you could develop those uh, contacts, I suppose, and, and start to work towards becoming uh, an actual proposition for them, um, you know, in what they do. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, I guess you have to decide what you want to do, but then there's certainly a lot of people around in, in rugby who are involved in the industry and you can kind of make things happen from there. Yeah, and I guess if you're going to be wanting to work in London, there's no better place to be based originally than Saracens. I mean, I think, is Nigel Ray something to do with the Man Group or something like that? I mean, there's yeah. so many opportunities there. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I think it helps to be on the doorstep of London, and that's that's one of the things I, you know, that really uh, kept me, you know, here at, at Sarah's, Apart from you know just the team and the guys, um, it, it's just having that access in, into London. So, like I said, I was able to do one day a week in the city, and you know, I, I just have a regular commute into work like anyone else would, rather than you know having to come up from wherever else in the country, you know. You, some other guys might be based so really you've got everything on your doorstep and mm. and that actually is is incredibly valuable for when you're trying to i guess plan your next move oh, com- so to speak oh completely um any of any of the other players gone down that kind of route there's a yeah there's a there's a couple of guys um you know there's in, in different things you know one of our sponsors is the cme group mm. um and they've been quite active in getting guys in and there's a few guys who go and do one day a week with them we also have another sponsor, Sandlam, oh, yeah. uh, which actually have an insurance arm, but they also do like private wealth management. And there's a number of players actually who also do one day a week with them and, and are actually going through studies to become qualified financial advisors oh, as well. Not- so, they're, yeah, in a couple of different pathways, 
um, you know, a couple of different opportunities in the city, yeah. people are pursuing it. So uh, it's encouraging, I suppose, because it's certainly something that, uh, you know, comes to comes to everyone who plays the game. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a financial advisor in my day job, so you can pass on the message to the other players. It's not a profession. It's not a profession you want to be involved with. <laughs> yeah, good. I'll be I'll be sure to let them know. <laughs> so that's what you're up to now. But you haven't had the most um, traditional route into rugby, really. Yeah, not really. I, I didn't grow up playing the sport at all. Uh, I, I'd actually. The first time I played the sport was in high school, but I played a couple of games, and that was really because my main sport was basketball. So uh, if it permitted and it was in the off-season of basketball uh, mm-hmm. and my school was playing, I'd, I'd jump on it and play a couple of games. But I hadn't really played too much rugby at all until I finished university. I, I left Australia and went to university on a college basketball scholarship, uh, and that's pretty full-on uh, over there in the States. Mm. And, uh, yeah, didn't get the opportunity. And when I was just about to graduate college, what is university in the States, uh, a couple of mates invited me down to play rugby. I was at, in Denver going to, to university and invited me down to a local men's team just to play a little bit. Mm. I was like, yeah, sure. So I, I went and threw the ball around, played in a couple of games. And it was just a weird turn of events where one of the USA, well, the All-American coaches was uh, there that day. Because I was still studying uh, in the States, I became eligible to play for the All-American rugby team, which I did and went on a tour to New Zealand (laughs) pretty soon after that. Um, And then while I was in New Zealand, um, still studying at this point, about to graduate, uh, Scott Johnson, who was the then Eagles coach, uh, had said, look, you're eligible to play for the Eagles because you've lived here for four years going to university essentially even though i hadn't been playing rugby or doing anything like that and he asked if i was available to go and play for the eagles so my first ever i suppose um proper men's rugby game was against uh munster uh, in no. connecticut in um yeah in in it was like kind of early 2008 so it was a yeah pretty pretty much a baptism of fire i just got thrown on the deep end there um i, I was like I was like 105 kilos soaking wet. I mean, I was a basketball yeah. player, but they threw me out there. And um, yeah, look, I don't say, <laughs> didn't do too well. I got ran over a few times and, um, you know, chopped in half. But <laughs> you get that. And uh, it was after that that Scott Johnson kind of pulled me aside and asked what my plans were. And I was actually looking to go and play professional basketball, either back in Australia or over here in um, in Europe, in Greece or, or Italy. Yeah, is it Greece and Turkey that have got the big leagues for basketball? And uh, so, yeah. And... Hello. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just asking. Is got, it? Yep. Is I it? You. I think it's Greece. Is it Greece and Turkey that have got the big leagues for basketball in 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 Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is like a European league as well, kind of like how we have the, the what was the Heineken Cup, the yeah, you know, the European Cup. There is an equivalent over there in, in basketball as well. So each country has their domestic leagues, and there's also a European league as well. And it really is quite a yeah, it's quite a, a big deal. They make for love. A lot of good talent you know there's guys over there playing in europe you, you could easily play in the nba but you know it doesn't make sense to them you know they're big big enough stars where they are and they get paid well enough in europe that you know they don't often go to the nba some of yeah guys, i mean so. i mean from what i understand there is some serious money in european basketball when i think there's a players strike in the nba not so long ago and a lot of a lot of players were threatening to you know, jump ship yeah. or go to turkey and whatever else it may be exactly yeah yeah no exactly so that that was that was honestly my plan uh when i finished and uh, Scott Johnson had kind of sat me down, had a bit of a chat, and then organised for me to come over and join Saracen. 
that, uh, Academy uh, through Eddie Jones. So it's Johnson obviously worked with Eddie at Wallop and they were, Eddie was was willing to give me a shot to come over. So I came over and joined the Academy and burn, I mean, this this all happened within a couple of months of me first playing rugby. That's quite, so, that's quite um, incredible. So you grew up in Australia, yeah. didn't really play and it took a trip over to America to play basketball to get you playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was well and truly off the radar it so what, came out of nowhere so what was you what was your actual first game of rugby then uh well look i played a couple of games in high school like you know, yeah you know the off season of basketball uh but i was never training you know or focused on rugby and then um i played for the men's club uh when i was still studying after my basketball season in my senior year of university mm-hmm. uh but really it was my first proper game was against munster mm-hmm. uh, um after that so that was my first kind of proper men's professional ish game you know the eagles aren't really professional but yeah that would have been the first one so um look it all came out of nowhere i mean i remember coming over to saracens and uh the first game i played in for saris was obviously an, an a-league match on a monday night and mm. i had no idea still what i was really doing and they, they put me in at six I, I played in the second row obviously never at six i didn't i didn't know where to bind i didn't know what i was doing so <laughs> i went and wow. bound i went and bound like next to the number eight and started pushing on the second rows uh, as a flanker and I, I remember people just going who is this retard that we've just brought over from wherever so it took uh took a little while to um you know kind of get my head around things and it went well enough i, I suppose in that first year and then signed a first team contract uh, for the following year, uh, which was when all the changes happened at Saracen. So I played that oh, first year wow. um, with, well, really just left at the club now. It was like Alex Good, um, uh, Chris Wilds, Brad Barrett, and Elder Cock. I think it were the only guys who were there that first year. Goodness me. So that, that must have been a hell of a risk for you because I can't imagine it was. I mean, well, I, can't, I, can't, I didn't know any better, you know. Yeah. I, and, you know, we, there was obviously a lot of uncertainty around the club at that stage when Eddie Jones left um, and Brendan Venter came in. We had a new CEO, Edward Griffiths. Uh, so it was almost a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, a show of faith just to mm. hang on. You know, there was a lot, they got rid of most of the planes squad. So as you can imagine, it was a, it was a place of, of real turmoil. And, um, you know, Brendan Venter came in with a very, very clear vision on, on how he wanted to run things in the culture that, that they wanted to establish and himself along with David Griffiths did a great job of instilling that and um you know it's it's turned out to be uh, a remarkable place to be well so I mean the I mean the risk I guess was you couldn't pursue your basketball career yeah I suppose you know what I was enjoying rugby uh enough to where that you know really you know really didn't bother me too much um you know, I was really enjoying playing the game. I was loving uh, the culture. I was loving the guys, and and really just having a great time. So to me, actually, you know, that that um, you know wasn't such a big sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I, I was really enjoying what I was doing, and and there was no guarantees in basketball either. You know, it can be pretty brutal in the professional end of that sport as well. So I was, you know opportunities that had come up at, at, with Saracens and and it had worked out well enough early enough to a point where I didn't really have to think about you know going back to basketball. Crikey so Brendan Venter comes in and you just talk, spoke about his vision um, I mean what what was his immediate focus when, when he arrived what did he change? Um, uh, he, he just set about trying to establish a, a culture some yeah, and some you know some core values we were going to kind of hang a hat on and and a style of play that um 
that was in the early days really scripted uh, mm-hmm. and you know back in 2009 when we were playing I mean, we weren't the most enjoyable team to play. We would kick the ball, you know, robotically and uh, put huge emphasis on the kick chase and, and all these sorts of things. And, and to be honest, a lot of those elements are, are still uh, present in the way that we play today. But we've slowly layered in things on top of that yeah. uh, uh, as the years have gone on to where, you know, you wouldn't notice that we were the same teams, but we still value the same things. Uh, the work rate off the ball in, in getting set, uh, the way that we kick chase, uh, has a lot of detail in it and uh, you know we spend hours and hours through the week making sure that we have all those uh, kind of finer points right which is really the, the core of our game yeah uh, I think that is very evident in the way Sar- Saracens play I mean you see all the hard work but when they turn it on they look very impressive very yeah impressive. yeah exactly and, and that's been you know our, our counter-attack and um, some of the ambition uh, further down in our own half when it's on has kind of been what's been laid in. So, you know, we, we've there's been a lot of work on saying, look, you know, this is how we want to play. However, you know, if the opportunity presents itself. This is, you know, we're willing to willing to play and do this. So there's always a fine fine balance there. But the likes of, of Charlie and Owen uh, pulling the strings, you know, and, and, you know, and our nines as well uh, have just a great vision for that. So, you know, it's it's not done on the backs of, you know, just because the coaches say, I mean, we've got some, some pretty uh, phenomenal players who are out there making these reads as well. And, and, and they've been a part of this whole journey as well. So yeah, I mean, there's... that's what makes it click so nicely. Everyone's been together for you know, really six, seven years, most guys. Um, so there's collective buy-in and everyone's kind of been on the same journey and we, we've known what works. And when you fall back to those basics that, that really can dig you out of some, some pretty nasty situations. Yeah. I mean, so there's no there's a be- lot of collective buying that, and there's no better playmaker than Charlie Hodgson if that's what you want to do. You know, it's, yeah. it's just he's just been such a phenomenal talent for so long now. Um, yeah. If uh, in those early days, then with that structure, did, did that help you with your transition? Yeah, I think it, you know. Funnily enough, I, I think it did. Um, for someone in my situation, where uh, I guess my my feel for rugby certainly what someone else's might have been who was. You know, I've been playing their whole life. I guess really, I just bought raw athleticism. You know, I was mm-hmm. you know, a decent athlete, and and I could plug myself into what was a pretty, uh, pretty basic structure. So I knew where to be. You know, and I knew I just had to chase as hard as I could on this. You know, and and stay connected in defence and whatnot. So really, I think taking a lot of the, um, uh, kind of the jouet out of rugby, which some you know a lot of us have, mm-hmm. uh, really allowed me to kind of bed in and and get comfortable in what saracens were doing so i I think it definitely it did help probably having such a structured team for someone like me who you know hadn't played much more Mm -hmm. so so you were at saracens for what a stint of four years and then you and then you left now this is probably one of the most interesting stories in in sports and pretty relevant bearing in mind we've got all of the jared haynes stuff at the moment um how on earth did you decide that you're going to go from rugby, a game which you picked up late, into American football? Um, so, I think having my time in the States and being over there playing basketball, I, I had almost been looking for an opportunity to go and play football. If my, if my university uh, had, had a football team, I think I definitely would have gone and tried to play college football as well. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, my university didn't, and it didn't, and, and it wasn't 
didn't really make sense for me to transfer universities to go and play college football. Mm. Um, although, interestingly, I often wonder what would have turned out if I if I had have done that. Um, you know, it could have been very different. But um, I, I never really got the opportunity to play there. I was always a fan, even in Australia, growing up watching the sport. You know, I just enjoyed watching football. But it was my time in the US that I got to. Uh, really appreciate it and and get to know it more and and I just really wanted to play and even as a basketball player I was a, a bigger guy and you know when mm. the basketball team would go in to lift weights they'd put me in on the treadmill because if I lifted weights as much as everyone else I'd just get too big oh, for hard, basketball hard life so, hey yeah. hey hard life yeah yeah real hard life well i was pretty crappy when the boys are going to lift weights i'm off on a treadmill you know sweating everywhere so um so that was a bit of i i guess i, I kind of always had the inkling that you know i'd probably be better off playing a, a physical sport anyway if that mm. was the way my body kind of lent so um uh so yeah so when uh we'd finished the 2011 world cup i kind of had seen that really as the last time i was 26 years old and um, you know, if, if you're not, if you, there's no kind of amateur football in the States, there's no levels below the NFL. So you either play college football, you know, or you play in the NFL, there's nothing in between. No. So having come over and played for Saris, um, obviously I could never go and play college football because I'd already used up all my eligibility with basketball. And does and pro rugby count against eligibility? Any does, pro sport? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that was, my next point was that, um, as soon as you're paid by a professional team, you actually can't go back and play college sports anyway so yeah. that was kind of all done and dusted so really the only only way i could play football was to uh go to the nfl and um you know i, I figured at 26 the, the window was pretty much closing if not just about closed so if i was going to do it it had to be at that time uh after the world cup so uh i uh met after the world cup with, with an agent uh who's an nfl agent uh through a mutual mutual friend of mine and we got chatting and uh, kind of spoke of my ambition and whether he felt it would be possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was quite uh, very obviously open to the idea. And I guess the measure measurables of me physically matched up very well with a couple of positions, but mostly tight end um, yeah. because of my basketball background. So there'd been a lot of guys who have played college basketball and then come across and play tight end in the NFL uh, very successfully, like you know, Antonio Gates, uh, probably been the the, the best known. Oh, it's an absolute uh, ton of them so, so people were already open to the idea of basketball players coming across, and me having gone away and played a couple of years of professional rugby probably wouldn't have hurt you know the equation for them. But it was mainly the basketball that is what appealed to the scouts uh, for me to play tight end. Um, it, it's a difficult mix to have. You know, tight ends are typically six six, hundred and twenty kilos, but they need to be able to have to be able to catch and move well as well. And it's not not a combination you often find no. um, at basketball, probably being the best best example of, uh, of those type of athletes. So um, in any case, I worked with this agent and organized a series of, of uh, workouts, as they call them. And essentially, the, the workouts are you fly around to, and visit an NFL team and they'll test you, your 40-yard uh, sprint time, um, you know, your vertical leap different measurables mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll get a quarterback or a coach there to kind of throw routes you know and i mean i went the jets was actually my first workout wow 
And, and, it's, um, and that's a team that team that you eventually signed, signed with too. So it is, yeah, it is. But I, I went on a series. I went on a bit of a tour and um, met with a number of teams. But I, I was when I first got to the Jets, uh, I did my forty yard time, and you know that went well, and all these other things. And they were like, right, so we'll have you run a few routes. And obviously, you know, I've, I've watched football, but I don't know really the, the names of the routes or anything like that. Oh, so, so they're showing like skinny post at you or something, or yeah, exactly, hook, or yeah, exactly. hook routes or something. All, all, all these, yeah, all these things. So I'm just like, man, I've got no idea. I'd never been in a three point stance either. So I tried to get in a three point stance. And I just I looked like you know Bambi, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to run. Like I just yeah, I had no idea what I was doing out of a three point stance. So if they let me run everything out of a two point. Um, but then that I'd have to ask him. I was like, well, tell me how far to go and tell me what to do because I don't know what any of these routes are really. So it was a bit, um, a bit of an amateur workout, I suppose. But I think. Sorry, mate. We just lost. We just lost you there. Yeah, no problem. Ah, uh, yeah. Sorry, you're back. Yeah, sorry. You, uh, you were saying, Hayden. Yeah. So um, yeah, bit of a bit of a shocking workout, I suppose. Um, but uh, in, any, in any case, I ended up uh, deciding to go with the Jets. I think I showed enough just athletically that they could see uh, see this working out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I ended up signing on with them, um, which was, yeah, I guess, you know, a bit of a bit of a whirlwind and, and an amazing experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, it so phenomenal. Who was the quarterback throwing you the ball in your workout? Was it uh, Brunel or... Uh, or no, or we, we actually, at the time, no, it was just coaches uh, yeah. who were there during the workout. Um, you know, they kind of had the whole coaching staff and, and, and scouts and... I mean, the amount of personal, the amount of people they have working for them, these teams is is ridiculous. You know, I mean, we we travel down to a game with 118 people, wow. like players and coaches. So it's uh, it's not they're not small operations. So even even in my workout, I think there was probably 20 or 30 scouts and coaches and and people just kind of standing around and watching. So, so did you join them during their <laughs> during their training camp, or did you come later on in the season? No, so I I joined them uh, as early as possible. Uh, really so that i could get a bit of a head start and uh, and get my head down so i actually joined them in april and they start oh, right. otas uh, in late april so i got in there a couple of weeks before otas is uh, off-season training yeah. activities so the, the nfl season's very prescribed as there's, there's different stages i suppose as, as the year goes goes round in the calendar and all of the uh activities and whatever they're allowed to do is mandated by what's called a collective bargaining agreement between yeah. the players union and the NFL. And that was actually one of the things that I found quite difficult in trying to uh, transfer across is that the CBA dictates that even during OTAs, you're only allowed to spend four hours per day in the uh, NFL facility. And that's mainly put in place to protect the veterans uh, yeah. and all the guys so they're not overworked. So it stops the coaches kind of uh, running running those guys into the ground. But for someone in my situation who needs as much time as possible, you know, I literally just wanted to, wanted to live there. And Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And learn and study and, uh, you know, and get out there and learn these techniques. It was really quite prohibitive for, um, for that situation. So... That, that was really quite frustrating. But uh, in any case, like through OTAs, um, you know, I managed to start to, um, I guess, get my head around things. And uh, it was, geez, I mean, it's a steep learning curve. I mean, you look on the outside, the game looks complicated enough. Yeah. When you get into some of those meetings, you know, they really are just speaking another language. And the level of detail that goes into to that game is something else. Well, Thomas, do you understand a, the quarterback cadence when he says – you know the various things like jet sweep right left alpha alpha or whatever yeah. the hell it is do, do you actually need to understand all of that or do you just have a yeah, portion yeah you do you do so i mean what what you mentioned there that was a that would have been a, been a play call yeah um so let's just say what you just said jet sweep so jet is probably the formation so yeah. you'll have to know where where you line up um within that um and then they'll they'll give the protection so like if it's a passing play they'll give protection and that speaks to the offensive line uh, the fullback and potentially the tight end if he's actually involved in that. So you got to know, you know, I mean, there'll be 30 or 40 protections probably, and you have to know whether you're involved in that one or you're not. And then they'll talk about the route concept. So that last, you know, whatever they call it, you know, Omaha, whatever it is, yeah. uh, will be the route concept that you then have to know your routes. And, you know, there's hundreds of different route concepts. So there's a lot of information to put together and, um, I guess it all gets speed sped up uh, to a pretty phenomenal speed when when you're out there on the field. You've got you know one or two seconds to digest it all, get to the line in the correct spot, and then uh, you know run a route as as fast as you can. And a lot of those routes often have different reads on them as well, depending on what the defense does. Yeah, in front of you. So um, yeah, it's it's incredibly intricate and uh, and difficult. Uh, not to mention physically, you know, pretty pretty tough to to play as well so um but I, I mean as an experience it was just phenomenal and um you know i really happy with with how it worked out being able to make the active roster and, and get on the field and, and actually play was uh yeah it was pretty amazing yeah i mean people don't unless you watch nfl you don't realize what a big deal it is just to make the 52 so i i, I can yeah. imagine that you sit back and just think wow i actually did that uh yeah i suppose a little bit you know the, the whole thing was was quite humbling um you know i was very fortunate i had great people at the jets uh who you know kind of believed in me and, and spent you know, a lot of time uh getting me up to speed and and showed actually a lot of patience in the in the early days as well because um you know as complicated as it is it's uh, pretty difficult to get your head around, and I was making some pretty stupid errors, uh, you know, here and there. So yeah, there was a lot of patience involved from from their part as well. Were you um under uh, you were under Rex Ryan? Yeah, was it, yeah, was that that's your right. Yeah. And who was your OC at the time? We had uh, Tony just, Tony Sperano. Tony, yeah, Sperano. So we had Sperano, but he was there only only one year. Um, so that, that that was the difficult thing about the Jets. 
was um, there, there was a lot of uh, kind of turnover during my time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we lost Mike Tannenbaum was the GM, yeah, who brought me in, uh, and then after that first year where I made the roster and and had a pretty good run at it, uh, he got let go, and um, uh, and then John Isaac came in. So it, it was always as is in the I mean the NFL is probably worse than most sports uh, as far as the turnover goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was really yeah it was really just um, you know a lot of, a lot of moving pieces and for some you know when you're trying to learn the game um, a little bit like I, I did in rugby um, you know you kind of need some consistency. So I mean we lost Eddie Jones. Uh, and then Brendan came in, but then it was pretty much set after that. Whereas in the NFL, it was literally just completely, you know, churning and moving around. So it's hard to, I guess, be in a stable environment and then continue to develop as a player like I was with, with that many moving parts. Now, with so much to learn, did you have many situations in like film rooms where you, you were um, pointed out as maybe not doing exactly as you should have? No, I, that that's where I, was, you know, where they were incredibly patient with me. I think they kind of knew where I was uh, in my development, and you know, if I was if I made a mistake, they kind of just get it and just kind of move on. Hmm. Um, you know, a couple of times they would, you know, if there was something that they needed to make a point of, you know, they certainly would. But um, I mean, there was there was one time well, it was actually my my first day of practice. Uh, it was during rookie minicab, and we were doing a. Um, uh, punt drills on, on special teams so i was lined up in the punt rush uh to try and put pressure on the punter as he kicked the ball and it was the last rep of the day um mm-hmm. and the coach had said all right this one's you know this one's live so i was like oh okay oh, i know what live <laughs> means so yeah anyway they um they they snapped the ball and i went flying over the top of the guy who was uh who was trying to block me and um ended up getting through him pretty easily and found myself kind of one-on-one with the punter and in rugby obviously you can run and put pressure on the punter and that's fine if you kind of give him a bump or yeah. anything like that well in football it's a it's a 15 yard penalty in a game oh. you know even if you touch the punter so i had no idea and i go running straight through and almost blocked the punt so i'm thinking oh, that's pretty good you know i'm obviously Great job. this is a good thing and then anyway the punter's leg hangs up in the air and i i'm underneath him and it just ends in a complete car crash. The punter lands on his head, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I just get up and jog off like it isn't anything. But, I mean, the whole place looking, is just looking, deadly quiet at this Looking stage, for high fives. Yeah, everyone's just looking at me. And um, all we hear is our uh, special teams coach, uh, Mike Westhoff, who was, he was a hard bastard in the first place. Yeah. And he just screams across the field, you must be the dumbest mother effer <laughs> to ever step on a football field. And that was, I mean, that was my first day and I'm just thinking, geez, <laughs> this is going to be a, a pretty long ride. Um, so was that the season? They cer- that- Sorry, they certainly, they, they called that one up in the meetings. So that was certainly brought up <laughs> was a that few the, times. Was that the season where the Jets were on hard knocks? No, it was a year. That was a year after that. Was it? So yeah. No, Cause was uh, never, yeah, Westoff's on, on that knocks. and he seems like an absolute character. Yeah. Uh, you're crazy. But a uh, great guy. Like really enjoyed, really enjoyed being coached by him. But um, I mean, some of the things he'd come out with uh, in meetings were just just brutal. Mm. He was brutal on guys. But uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So, uh, what is the difference like between the NFL in the changing room and and and, and rugby? It strikes me as they're not quite as clo- close knit bunch. No, definitely not. And and that's. You know, it's not it's not a fault of, of football, I suppose, on that, but it's because the players move around so much. Um, 
so you'll have in preseason the roster gets extended to 90 players and of those 90 players only 53 are going to actually make the team with a mm. training squad of eight on top of that so you've got to think that half the people in the room anyway aren't going to be there in a month two months mm. so it doesn't really you know you don't want to go and make friends with all these people who just aren't going to be there so already it kind of fractures you know the, the situation a little bit uh and then and then even in saying that i mean the locker room is certainly not uh not as close uh, i would say as as a rugby changing room and mm. um you know I, I think really i think just because of the nature of the game i mean everyone's on their toes you can lose your job at, at any moment and the nature of the sport is that you have to do your job you do your job well then it all comes together well as a collective. But it's not quite like rugby where it's a little bit more free-flowing and you have to react uh, based upon what your teammates do. Mm. So that, that's why I, I think rugby demands you know, a closer team culture and guys to spend more time and, and be closer, whereas football, by nature, uh, of the way that the game is played and then also the surrounds of the game as far as guys losing their jobs and moving on the whole time, yeah, uh, kind of means that really they're not not quite as close. Is is there anyone from the Jets that you still keep in contact with? Yeah, there's a few guys. There's a few guys I kind of still chat with. Um, I was just back in New York when we played London Irish uh, a couple of months ago, and I went and caught up with a couple of the guys. Um, went around to Debrickshaw Ferguson's house. Oh, nice. Who's our left tackle? Yeah. Um, who's actually just just retired now. Um, so yeah, no, there's there's definitely a few of the guys I, I keep in contact with and. Uh, always try and catch up with if, uh, if we're in the same city. How did you enjoy the uh, trip over to America with Saracens? Yeah, it was, it was good actually. Um, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a spin out being back in New York. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed it. It was, um, you know, the game was, was, was very well hosted. It was, a, mm. it was a hot day. Yeah, it, was. it came out of nowhere. I mean, that was the first hot, hot day of the year rugby wise we'd really had. So I remember blowing <laughs> pretty hard out there, but, um, no, it was good. Uh, yeah. It was actually it was a pretty tough game too. Irish, um, Irish did a great job. Uh, you know, really, really pushed us hard. So it was only in the last couple of minutes there where we scored that. Um, you know, kind of it was a messy try off a off a drop ball that. that we, yeah, you know, it was, isn't it? Knew it we was, had the win. Yeah, I, I I remember watching it, and it was just one of those uh, teams teams that tend to do badly tend to be unlucky too. And it's just one of those heartbreaking kind of London Irish it moments, is. which encapsulated their whole season. To be fair. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, I will say, I mean, throughout that whole game, that was as physical of a game as I'd played all year. Certainly, I mean, they got some massive ball carriers, and yeah, you know, some guys who really hit hard as well. So um, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. But you're right. I think those those just tiny little things end up having um, such a big oh yeah. I mean, they played well. Influence on the game. They played very well. They just you know, it's one, again, just one of those things. Um, they do. I would. I wonder what's going to happen to the America series, actually, because it was all about London Irish and their Irish connection going forward. But with them not in the Prem, it'd be interesting to see if Saratons go back, which I hope they do, and who will join yeah, them. Yeah, I'm not sure. I actually haven't heard uh, either way on, on, on what, what's going to happen with that going forward. So I, I think it'd be great to, to keep it out there, to keep it growing. I think now that rugby's on TV over there, I think uh, NBC or CNBC has just bought the rights to show Premiership Rugby in the states, that'll be all the England games being shown uh, every week uh, on TV in the states, which is massive. That's a, that's a huge step forward, and um, I think to actually bring a game or two out there every year will will probably go a long way to uh, keeping it on the conscience of, of Americans. Now you're in a very unique situation. 
you're an eagle. But you've also played high level of both the main American sports. So when you were talking to um, people who watch NFL, they always talk about how good with NFL players being rugby. I've got the polar opposite view. It's all about basketballers. So what advice would you give the Eagles going forward when they're looking to scout athletes? Well, I've I've told uh, I've had this conversation. So Charlie Hodgson's now going to be our uh, head recruiter oh, okay. uh, for Saracens. So he's going to be like a, a one man player personnel um, type role uh, for Saracens. And I suppose speaking to him, I mean, my my personal view would be that the best crossover athletes for rugby uh, would be basketball players. Mm. Um, I mean, you can get second rows, back rows. Uh, you know, I'd say wrestlers w- would be better. Yeah, um, props as the Georgians are. I mean, all those George. Of course they are. are. I never, are I never thought of that. Um, and they they make some of the best props in the world. So, um, you know, I'd say wrestlers for for props, but certainly the whole back five, you, you can find basketball players who would be just phenomenal um, so, to fill those sorts of roles. So, uh, and probably probably center as well. You can find some pretty good basketball players to be playing in the centers. Yeah. Well, so so Charlie's going to go over there and basically look at college talent, I assume. No, not that. he's going to be UK based. I believe okay. I'm not. I'm not speaking on his behalf here. But yeah, um, sure. when when speaking to him about uh, US sports and and that sort of thing, it was it was kind of basketball. I think um, you could get the the best talent to you know to have very athletic, uh, good line out sixes and uh, and whatnot. I think you know uh, eights are difficult because there's you know there's the Billy the Billy. Uh, Apollo mold of an eight, and then there's the Ernst Joubert mold of an eight. You know, there's yeah. two different things. You, you can find a basketball player being Ernst, but certainly not a Billy. So, depends what you're going for there. And um, but yeah, no, that would be my probably my advice on on uh, crossover at- athletes is really that basketball players probably tick the most boxes. Well, uh, you sound like the perfect individual to uh, fulfil the role of scouting in the US. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll be busy enough with uh, everything else going on. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the first time I've ever I've, I've ever spoken to you, but it should actually have been the second time because we went over to um, Chicago to watch the game against the All Blacks. Okay. Yeah. Which yep. was a, just a, a, a phenomenal day out. Um, what do you think? What do you think going forward is going to be the future for, for the Eagles? Because it looks like they're building all the time, but they, they just don't seem to get that continuity. Yeah, not quite. I, I think um, it, it's it's certainly positive. Uh, they've got some great uh, younger players coming in, uh, in particular AJ McGinty. Uh, I mean, you can't underestimate how important it is to have a, a good fly half in a team. I mean, everyone knows that. So to have a, a young guy like AJ who uh, kind of missed the Irish system, came over and played college rugby out in the States, yeah. and is now US qualified, and he's just done a phenomenal job uh, with Connett. Uh, winning the Pro 12, to have someone like that uh, at the helm, able to pull the strings uh, and kind of dictate um, over there for for the Eagles is, is massive. So uh, we've we've got some really good props as well, um, you know. Uh, and then you've got guys like Greg Peterson, the second row up at at Glasgow. So there there is actually a really good spread of of players playing overseas. There's still you know one or two positions where we don't have full time professionals and. Uh, and it'd be nice to to eventually get uh, a full contingent, uh, you know, a la uh, an Argentina or something where you've got yeah. guys and enough depth in every position playing overseas and playing high-quality rugby. But it's certainly heading in that direction. So um, I think it really is just a matter of, of plugging those gaps and, um, you know, and, and they'll be in a pretty good spot. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this about USA Rugby. Uh, I've not come across a, an international team yet which is staffed by such enthusiastic people. I mean, everyone involved in that whole setup just loves their rugby. Yeah, without a doubt. No, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on on the head there. I mean, the real it is a bit of a cult following uh, at the moment when you look at the entire population. But I mean, they're just so um, so pumped up about it. The, the people who are out there and involved in it, and it gives the whole thing a lot of energy uh, and, and you know, really carries it forward. Mm. So you, you you did your, you did your NFL stuff. You came back to Saris. Um What made you decide to leave to, to leave the NFL and come back into rugby? <laughs> Well, I got um, I got released by the Jets uh, coming out at the end of my second preseason, and um, I guess you know there was a lot of coaches moving and all that sort of stuff that that went into that. And the the decision really was um, whether or not to stay in football, where nothing was guaranteed. I mean, none of the contracts are guaranteed. You can, you know, I, I was looking at uh, went for a workout down at Tampa Bay, and um, there was a couple of other teams who, who would have been interested, but to then go and move to one of those cities and and lose your job you know a week later two weeks later it's it's just very um yeah, very uncertain uh, yeah. that whole thing and in speaking to saracens uh, after i'd been released from the jets they were they were keen to get me back over and um it was an environment that i knew i knew the guys um and just to have some stability uh, back was was kind of what uh, tipped the scales i suppose um you know and i was just thrilled to be able to get back to to Saris and and the guys and, and and be a part of you know the last couple of years which has been a you know a pretty great time to to be at the club as well and i bet when you came came back it was almost com- uh, well not a completely different setup but a far more evolved setup from the one that you, from, from the one that you left yeah no it, it was it really was and like i said i mentioned earlier on it was mainly the the playing squad that it, that it gotten gotten a lot better and um, you know we had the new the new stadium um, you know that wasn't there when uh, when I'd left first time around. So um, yeah, I mean the club had certainly moved moved forward in, in a big way, and um, you know it was it was humbling to be back and uh, and just and really exciting as well. Yeah, I, I can imagine when you arrived back that there was quite a lot of um, probing you for information about how US teams work, what the structures are in the NFL, all um, all the rest of it. Yeah, look, I guess everyone was kind of curious as. Whether, whether there was any kind of crossover in the way they approached things or did things, and um, I, I, you know, in, in my opinion, really, the the big gap in the market that rugby doesn't approach that, that um, I guess um, they're trying to now is is a is a role like what what Charlie Hodgson's going to do, and um, NFL teams, like I mentioned, they they have you know twenty thirty full-time professional scouts, yeah. uh, half of which who will scout college for the draft, and the other half will scout what's called pro personnel, other professional players who are available so that should there become a need, I mean, you'll have a list in every position of, you know, the number one target for us and, and whatnot. Um, and, you know, it's very much done at a professional professional level over there. Uh, and it doesn't exist at all in, in rugby. I think there's a couple of guys out there, I believe, and I'm not speaking for every club here, mm. I don't know exactly, but it seems as if... Um, it's kind of just done through the coaches and, oh, you know, well, what's this? You know, what, what do we need to do here? But there's a very systematic approach to it um, in basketball and in um, in the NFL. So I think that was probably the main thing that I think rugby can probably probably uh, learn from from American sports in that way. But outside of that, the games are so so different that there's not you know, there's not not too much crossover. Um, so it's it's difficult to actually compare them uh, too much. 
Yeah, I mean, it, everything is so... Everything looks so similar in, in a certain way, but then it's so completely different. Like, they warm up in grids or... You know, they, yeah. they've just got different names for the same thing, handoff or stiff arm. or it, It's very strange yeah. the way they've kind of developed a similar sport in a lot of ways, but it's completely different. Yeah, no, it, it is. And, and I think outside of having the ball in your hand and, and trying to avoid tacklers, mm. um, there's really not anything similar uh, outside of that. So, I mean, the, the way the whole game is structured... The, the, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the vocabulary and what everything's called, and it, it is actually really quite different. So um, yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult to compare, honestly, and and particularly yeah. when it comes to trying to uh, learn things, uh, you know, and bring things across between both sports. Really, they've just gone off onto two separate paths. Mm. So now I, I have to ask this because I'm fascinated by the whole Saracens project. They keep referencing in the press, links with professional connections such as KPMG, who apparently do a lot of your stats. Um, yeah. How how analytical are Saracens as a team? Very. Um, so there's, look, we, we'd get a, at least a 20-page report uh, at the beginning of the week um, for our opposition coming up. And, wow. Um, you know, you, you're best to talk to the, to the coaches about this sort of stuff. But, I mean, it's it really is um, kind of high-level uh, statisticians mm-hmm. uh, who are working on this uh, and we also get a, an analysis of the referee who's going to be refing us that week as well um, the breakdown on you know the the penalties that you know they give away under what circumstances yeah um, how long how long it takes for them to give a penalty away when someone's on the ball and, and it's all statistically you know related to every other ref and every you know whatever so um, but anyway the coaches get this big fat report through from um, uh, I think it's Deloitte. Uh, oh, is it Deloitte? It. Is it? I, I think it, it's one of the two. It's one of those one of those big ones. Yeah. Uh, and then they they then look for the information that you know is, is most pertinent to them and and is going to affect our game plan for the team coming up. So they pull out the most important bits, and then they'll dumb that down quite a bit <laughs> for the players. And <laughs> when it comes time to deliver the message, it'll have all these facts um, kind of interspersed into the presentation where it needs to be. But um, they do a really good job and they're really conscious of delivering the information in a way that we'll actually retain it and we'll actually listen. They're not, they're not going to stand up there like professors, you know, talking about this. They'll have, you know, you know <laughs> um, bright colours and pictures and be making jokes and whatnot just to get the point across. So they, they work really hard on their delivery as well to make sure that the information comes across in a way that we actually want to digest it. That's quite incredible. So do you have, like, for instance, a Tuesday afternoon where you get your stats and you have a chat? Yeah, yeah. So we, we actually we don't even get the stats. So the, the coaches literally have their own meetings. They, they take those reports uh, and then they will pick out the, the elements of that report that are going to influence our game plan. They will then make the game plan. Um, and then relate back to us why, if indeed they ever have to, why they're making these decisions. They'll just reference it quickly that, uh, and then move on. So we don't get bogged down in numbers and messing around. That has to give you as a player a huge sense of confidence in what your coach, coaching staff are doing. Well, it gives you huge confidence, I, I think. And that's, you know, the, the, the guys are, um, have absolute confidence in what uh, Mark McCall and, you know, and his staff do, uh, mainly because it's, you know, it's worked very well for so many years. I mean, I, I think we had a, Mark McCall has the highest uh, win rate of any coach over right? the last five years. I think he's at like 79 point something percent in all these games that he's coached uh, I've, Saracens. So, I mean, the, 
the process works. Uh, you know, you just have to believe in it and, um, you know, and kind of uh, go out there and, and put it into action. That's quite incredible. I've actually been uh, been around Mark McCall when he's been gi- 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 giving an interview. Is he always that quiet? Because he, 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 st- he speaks so softly, you almost can't hear him. Yeah, no, he is. Actually, he's, he's incredibly understated, but knows knows when to... Uh, to he he does, never yells and, you know, yells and screams at, at players, but, I mean, he, he has an intensity to him um, where if he needs to get a message across, uh, you know, you, you'll damn sure get that message. Um, so he, he has a kind of a steely intensity to him when, when he needs to but but he really is quite a quite an understated guy but with a with a brilliant rugby mind he, he knows how everything needs to come together mm. um you know to get to get a good product so he, he's he's very um yeah intellectually spot on from a rugby perspective yeah it, it does sound like you guys are two or three levels above pretty much pretty much all of the chasing pack um uh Sorry, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that. You know, I think we could be humbled, you know, very quickly. And, um, and we were just talking about London Irish there. I mean, it was very close to, to losing that game, and all it takes is a couple of those little little tight ones to go against you. And and you know, the, the whole pitch is incredibly different. So I think we, we've been, you know, we've had just as much luck. I think as um, as hard work to, uh, to get here. So you, you can't just you know think that. It just happens because you know because we deserve it to. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I do think like, that goes in. I do think the, the 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 harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, I, I I tell you where I I I think I've seen this re- really in action is against the French teams, who have got these monstrous monstrous packs. Yet you know it just looks like Saracens have got the exact combination needed to uh, to unlock what they're doing. Uh, I saw it against uh, Racing, and that performance a few years ago against Claremont was nothing short of masterful. Yeah, yeah, no, that that was pretty. Um, I, was, yeah, I remember that game; it was it was pretty special. Um, yeah, look, I, I think uh, you know we we certainly will, will emphasise slightly different things, but I, at the end of the day, I mean, set piece is still massively important. I mean, you, you have to have a good scrum, you have to have a good line out uh, to win ball, and and the more pressure you can put on the opposition line out, obviously, has a huge factor on the game as well so i mean at the end of the day uh you know we're very much a set piece focus obviously as forwards you always have to be mm. um but you know i think if you look at our set pieces as, as good as anyone's and and we know that the moment that slips a millimeter uh you know we all become very vulnerable so there's a lot of work that goes into into the line out and actually that's that's been one of the great things in the last couple of years is the way george cruz has uh, kind of developed into um, really uh, a, a very similar level of line-out operator as, as Steve Borthwick oh, he's uh, was. So, yeah, so we're very, very fortunate for that. He, he's, he's done a great job and um, you know, no doubt he's, he's going to continue to be very good for a, for a very long time. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that certainly goes a long way to, to, to kind of healing us. Mm. Well, last question before I let you go then, Hayden. As a pro rugby player... Um, and obviously, you know, looking at, looking at your own starting position, was it, was there ever an element over the last few years looking over your shoulder and thinking, "Hang on, this George Cruz fellow and this uh, Mar- Mario Toji player, they're not too bad." <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I got to say, um, it actually makes it easier uh, not playing, I suppose, when you look around and and the guys who are playing, are, you know, they're pretty pretty bloody good. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they've been phenomenal, and Maro. Uh, I played a lot with Marrow actually last season as he was kind of really getting his 
his feet underneath him. Um, but he's just, he's phenomenal. You know, I, I've mm. been out there a couple of times on the field and seen him do things that um, you kind of take a step back and just think, wow, that's that's pretty special. It is, isn't it? Um, what, what he's able to do. Uh, so, and look, I mean, the kid's 21. And he's only going to get, you know, bigger and stronger and, um, you know, it's uh, it's a good sign for for English rugby. It's it's a good sign for Saracens. You know, they're both signed up now for the next uh, next few years. So seven year um, contracts, I'd hope. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of years though. Uh, I think they they see the value in in having those guys around. So no, look honestly, you know, my my career is in a place where I'm, you know, a little bit older and 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 looking, you know, looking looking ahead, um, you know, into my life and. It's actually really, it's really quite nice to, to have those guys because they're, they're such great guys. Um, you know, both of them really humble and um, great guys to be around. So it's really nice to to see them come on so well and um, you know and and get a little bit of uh, you know a bit of love and uh, play so well. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um, just for 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 our listeners, then, just give us a couple of names of kids that we wouldn't have heard of coming through that academy, which seems so proficient now. Uh, who we're going to hear of next year or the year after? Um, gosh, we, we've got there's a few out there. I will I will mention there's a, a young US prop we have who you've seen a little bit of is TT Lamasatelli. Okay, oh um, yes, who's from Seattle. Definitely keep an eye out there. I mean, the guy is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, he's strong as you know, as strong as any kid I've seen. Um, but I, I have a feeling he'll be um, he'll be pretty heavily involved. Uh, particularly if there's any injuries next year, but I mean he's only he's only 20 years old himself as well. But um, yeah, he's uh, he can certainly hold down a, down a scrum as a as a 20 year old. So uh, I'd say he'd uh, he'd be one guy to look out for. Excellent. Well, <laughs> Hayden, that's been absolutely superb, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, great chat. Loads of stuff for our listeners to get into. Uh, best best of luck in the future, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Great. Thank you so much. Cheers, Hayden. Bye. Cheers, mate. That was Hayden Smith, um, a great guest, as I'm sure you'll all agree, some great insight. Um, if you want to find us, again, it's at Rugby Dungeon uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm at Jay Beardmore, and hopefully next week we'll have a couple more players uh, for you to enjoy. Get in touch. Let us When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Don't you think? Subscribe, leave leave a review. But until next week, uh, see you then. Bye-bye.